1: ever show of all-around sports as we near our one-year anniversary next week. And each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston and go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at i i r at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at one word, .com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, maybe the best of the year. And as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week, as well as report on my event of the week, which was Boston Bruins practice this past Wednesday. In 15 minutes, I will welcome Chris Venti, a member of the Boston College National Championship Hockey Team. And in a half hour, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week was Bubba Watson winning the Masters on Sunday in an absolutely riveting final round, which seems to be the norm these days at the Masters. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bubba Watson, uh, as all you listeners know, last August and in in early September I covered uh, the Deutsche Bank Championship up here in Boston, and attended many of the press conferences held by the players, and one of them was, of course, Bubba Watson, and I was so impressed by Bubba that day, uh, he just has a great way about him. Uh, great perspective. Uh, He was in the hunt uh, on the day I sat in his press conference. I believe it may have been Friday of that weekend, perhaps Saturday. And, uh, you know, he just basically handled it like the pro that he is. Uh, He ended up falling out of contention, but he had said that day before he did fall out of contention that, you know, uh, if he was hitting the shots, he was hitting the shots. And if not, you know, Oh well, um, not that he doesn't take it seriously, but he just seemed to have it in such perspective, and I was again very, very impressed. Clearly, Bubba is a uh, a man of the people. Uh, a lot of you now know his story, which is that he never took a golf lesson, grew up in the Florida Panhandle, is a good old Southern boy, as they say, and uh, you know, just a very, very likable character, a bit of a swashbuckler. You know, he has the lefty thing going and, uh, you know, wore a uniform of sorts. We all know Tiger likes to wear red, uh, red on Sunday, while Bubba wore all white all four days down at the Masters, uh, matching up with the Caddy's attire, I might add, and, uh, which is fitting given, again, he is really, you know, a man of the people. And, uh, his emotion when he won on the 18th hole, where he basically uh, cried profusely, blubbered, if you will, um, was as real as it gets, and the emotion of his fellow players congratulating him on winning his first major was just terrific. So hats off to Bubba Watson. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first of many majors, again, going back to someone who really has the game of golf uh, in perfect perspective. My low light of the week was uh, watching the Miami Heat fans, if you want to call them that, leave en masse their huge game against the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night uh, the Celtics were up seven with one minute to go. I was watching, and there was no way that I was thinking it was over at that moment in time. And yet, uh, the Celtics hit a foul shot to increase the lead to seven with a minute to go. And, I mean, a half to three-quarters that arena, arena, American Airlines Arena in Miami, instantly stood up and just exited. And it was just astounding to see Uh And it almost felt like, you know, the Heat were waving, the and their fans were were waving the white flag. Um, Definitely the best Boston Celtic victory probably in two years. Uh, It was particularly important because 10 days prior to that, as in 12 days ago, the Celtics thrashed the Heat up at the Boston Garden. And so the Heat themselves designated this as a big revenge game, saying basically, wait till we get them down in Miami. And the Celtics uh, just looked awesome. Uh, the key to this 17-7 and post-All-Star break run, the best in the NBA, clearly has been Kevin Garnett. Uh, he's been reborn. He's literally found the fountain of youth. And he was 5-for-5 from the field in the fourth quarter against Miami on uh, Tuesday night. He put the game away more than any other. So it's just been unbelievable to watch KG. It all has to do with uh, Doc Rivers just making master moves these days. He moved KG over to center, and that is what has ignited this run. Uh, Avery Bradley has suddenly turned into a defensive stopper. Uh, As we all remember from the Sunday game about 12 days ago when he blocked Dwayne Wade's shot in an ESPN highlight moment. And Bradley can also score. And then another big contributor has been uh, Brandon Bass, picked up in the offseason, traded for Big Baby Davis. And uh, Bass is playing like a real man these days, physical player. And... Uh, and this goes in addition to, of course, Rondo being Rondo, and he's just taking it to the next level. Uh, he's getting triple-doubles now, like they're just uh, commonplace. And, of course, Paul Pierce has been coming up big as well, and Ray Allen is now the sixth man. And what a weapon to bring off the bench. It uh, Very, very mindful of the days of bringing off uh, John Havlicek off the bench, and... Watch out for the Celtics. I've been saying for weeks of the team nobody wants to play, and now I think you have to classify them as a contender for the NBA championship if they continue uh, with this type of play. And my bizarre story of the week is fired Arkansas coach Bobby Petrino. Talked about him last week. Uh, many I said that on last week's show, I felt he would be fired. Indeed, he was, and... They had no other choice, and what a lot has come out in the past week—not the least of which—that he exchanged apparently forty-three hundred texts with uh, the woman that was on his motorcycle, allegedly whom he had an affair with, admittedly on his part, and forty-three hundred texts. Uh, that just says it all. It's just uh, bizarre—is the only word to describe—and apparently three to four hundred phone calls. And she was just placed on administrative leave from her position within the athletic department. So quite the big mess down there in Arkansas. And uh, Bobby Petrino has really self-destructed on this one. And again, I hearken back to the way he exited the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago. And uh, I don't think this should come as any big surprise to anybody in Fayetteville. And now on to my event of the week that I covered, which was the Boston Bruins practice on Wednesday. And it was really quite a day because there was breaking news uh, on that very day when uh, I was driving up to practice in Wilmington, Massachusetts. And uh, lo and behold, Bruins Twittered that uh, Nathan Horton who had two Game 7 winning goals in last year's playoffs, would be out for the postseason uh, due to concussions, suffered in both game, fi- game the finals against Vancouver last year and then another concussion that he received this year. So it was really uh, quite the atmosphere on Wednesday, and let's listen to GM Peter Chiarelli describe uh, the news about Nathan Horton being out for the entire postseason on
2: our announcement or release regarding Nathan Horton. Uh, we've uh, made the determination to shut him down for the remainder of the playoffs. Uh, we felt um, it just wasn't in the long-term interest of Nathan uh, to um, to be uh, having the specter hanging over him, uh, trying to come back. And, and during this playoff uh, season, he's you know, he's made one step forward and then two steps back. He's and uh we just made the determination upon consultation with <clears throat> our doctors with Nathan that uh it would be prudent to uh to uh, to shut him down for the for the playoffs and, and continue to rehab and uh, uh, for the for next year. So I'll <clears throat> take questions.
1: And we just heard Peter Sharelli describe Nathan Horton's injury, and why he will not be uh, able to make it for, for this postseason. And now we have uh, Peter Shirelli providing more information on uh, on Nathan Horton's injury.
2: What happened in general, Joe, is that um, he'd be tracking, he'd be improving, um, and then he'd have. Uh, he had some symptoms and they weren't huge symptoms But they would always come up at some point after three four five six days of, of positive stuff, so um, It was frustrating exercise for Nathan It was a frustrating exercise for us because we've been through this this rehab before with players and and I've, I've seen I've seen all all kinds of rehab patterns now because usually you see you can see when the, when, the, when the player has color and when he's animated and that, you, you think he's turned the corner and then then they have a bout of post-concussion uh, symptoms. And they manifest themselves in different ways. And it may sometimes there would just be a fogginess, sometimes it wouldn't feel right, and sometimes there would be a big headache. But it was always after you know, three, four, or five days of positive progress.
1: And in addition to uh, Peter Shirelli uh, talking about Nathan Horton being out for the playoffs, of course, uh, lots of reaction inside the locker room as well. And here is uh, last year's postseason scoring leader and from the NHL, teammate David Krejci talking about Nathan Horton.
3: I was hoping he's going to be back, you know, for first, second round. Who knows? But uh, now we know he won't, so uh, uh, it mean, kind of sucks, but... Uh, that's uh, how it goes sometimes, you know. This is still his uh, his life, and uh, and he's gotta he's gotta take care of his own body, you know. He uh, he shouldn't be pushing it, and if he doesn't doesn't feel well, then there's like nothing he can do, you know. I I had a concussion two times, you know, so I, I know how it is. So uh, this is not an easy situation, but uh, hopefully he's gonna do well in next uh, next couple months, and um, he's gonna be
4: ready for uh, next season.
1: And lastly, let's listen to Coach Claude Julien talk about losing his star player for this postseason.
4: Number one, it's unfortunate. I think we, we lose a pretty good player, uh, but then we haven't had him for quite a long time now. And uh, in this case, it's probably uh, the best thing for number one him, which is the most important thing. And you know, As an organization, you got to make like, the right decision and uh, you know, he's he's tried to come back a few times and uh, he's had some setbacks uh, lately. You know, you could tell he, he was feeling the pressure of trying to come back for the playoffs. And uh, when you're not feeling well, uh, that's not right. And I think it was important for us to let him know that we're going to shut him down for the rest of the year. And, you know, probably a little relieved in a way. Uh, because of the pressure he was putting on himself, he really wanted to be able to help his teammates and everything else. But uh, you know, if you're not ready, uh, you, you you can't push a guy to play. And uh, certainly, his health has always been the main concern for us. And we're, we've uh, managed without him, and we're going to continue to manage without him. But uh, we hope that this way he'll be able to heal properly, and we're taking the right uh, approach to uh, the concussion he's had. And uh, allow him to, to be
1: 100% when he's ready to come back. And the Bruins clearly uh, recovered from the shock of losing Horton by winning last night's game one against the Washington Capitals, one to nothing, on an over sudden death overtime goal by Chris Kelly. And interestingly, in the post game press conference, Kelly was wearing a huge chain around his neck, which look which the Bruins have. Agreed to give to the outstanding player game by game. Last year, they used uh, uh, a throwback jacket that they awarded to uh, the best player of each game. So I got the feeling we're going to be seeing lots of chains around lots of Bruins fans next here during this hoped-for long playoff run. And now, as my former co-host, LeMont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say... It's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And joining me next will be Chris Venti, a member of the Boston College National Championship hockey team.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
5: Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words... We want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
0: Back to the show.
1: Voice America. Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And we're honored right now to have on the line with us Chris Venti, a member of the Boston College National Championship Hockey Team. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to call
3: in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: You're welcome. Our pleasure. And uh, Chris, we were talking Bruins at the end of the first segment, as I'm sure you heard, and uh, you've had a lot of fun things going on this week, but I guess one of the highlights was attending last night's Game 1 between the Bruins and the Capitals at the Garden.
3: Yeah, it was uh, It was a great experience they had us down uh last time when we won and and so this was our second time and um they they had us down near the ice level um during the first period and and honored us and uh, got a big standing ovation and uh it was just great you know really exciting stuff and especially being a local guy being at the Bruins it was awesome
1: well, that's fabulous, and, and you saw quite a game to boot, and uh, <laughs> it, it was tremendous. And, uh, you know, you've had quite a week since winning the national championship last Saturday night, uh, and, you know, I, I know you had a big parade on Tuesday in and around the BC campus. How was that?
3: Oh, it was, it was a really cool experience. They had a, a bunch of um, trolleys take us through campus, um, and all the a lot of fans and students and teachers, everybody was out to watch and share us on. And, uh, I was fortunate enough. I got to carry the bean pot through the crowd and, um, you know, uh, John Kerry was there and, and, um, Oh, father Leahy. and, And it was just unbelievable how many people turned out and, and, uh, really makes you realize how fortunate you are to be at a special place like this school.
1: Yeah, well that's fabulous and you know it's interesting you would mention the bean pot because uh I had seen uh some video on the local New England Sports Network channel about uh you guys when you beat BU for the uh, Beanpot Championship, and uh, they had some locker room video where Coach Jerry York uh, specifically, you know, addressed you in the locker room, and it was right around that time when when you guys uh, began your 19 game run—that uh, yeah. 19 victories in a row, resulting in a national championship.
3: Yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, it it was such a great run. Um, I think the key to to it was we just kept getting better. We we never really played our best game, I think. I think we always had the attitude that we could do the little things better and, and we took that into every game and, you know, the win streak is, is great and, and it was great momentum for us, but um it was, uh, you know, win streak or not, winning the trophy was the most important part and, and uh, but that definitely, what a ride it was, you know.
1: It's one of the great runs in college hockey history. Obviously, I mean, it's just yes. historic. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think there are nine players on your team that were drafted by the NHL, which yes. speaks volumes yes. as to the talent.
3: Yes, yeah, one of, definitely a very talented team from top to bottom, and and uh, but even the guys you know that, that weren't drafted, just like like Barry Almeida and. Um, Edwin Shea, uh, Pat Mullane, guys like that. You know, when you have guys like that putting up close to 30 points a season, you know, it's pretty special. Um, so, but we, we did have a very, very talented team as far as draft, draft choices go.
1: Indeed you did. And, uh, you know, it's the fourth national championship in a decade under Jerry York. Tell us about... Uh, what it's like to play for coach york i mean you're obviously you're a senior uh so you have played your last game for boston college but you've also uh pocketed two national championships during your years at boston college uh so what's it like playing for jerry york
3: it's uh it was such an honor you know um you grow up and he's kind of just you know when you see him at the games as a fan, he's. you're almost kind of scared of him. He, you know, he's, he's like a local legend. And then, uh, once you're playing for him, you realize he's just, you know, he's just a, a, a great man. Um, very humble. Um, and he's, he's always going to be active. He's always doing something and, and hockey is, is his life, you know? And, um, but more than that, he, he wants to make sure that we're, uh, you know, respectable students, uh, in the community and, 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 he holds that pretty, pretty highly. And, um, he's just done, you know, wonders with, with helping us mature, um, hockey wise, but also, you know, in, in the sense of life and, and, uh, becoming, you know, the young men that we are. And, and, uh, he's just a, a great guy. I don't really have enough words to describe him, you know, um, but it, it's, it'll be these past four years have just been, experience of a
1: lifetime you know that's terrific Well, you you referenced him as a local legend but he's really becoming a national legend because he is now to college hockey what Mike Shashevsky, coach K is to college basketball Uh 900 victories they're in the 900 victory club yeah and uh it's not a very big club that's for sure and in any wow. collegiate sport needless to say no nope. and uh and one of the nice things, nice part of your story, you, of course, are a goaltender. And as you referenced earlier, you're a, a local local kid and uh, grew up in Needham, Massachusetts. And you started the game against Northeastern at Fenway Park back in, I believe, January or February time frame, correct? Yes,
3: yes. Yeah, it was, uh, that was uh, something I'll you know, I'll always remember. It was... um just being able to play at the ballpark that you uh, you know i've been uh, God knows how many games there and and there's so much history there and and uh, it was it was something that you know i will be able to tell my kids and they'll be able to tell their kids it's uh such a cool experience and, and something that I was able to share with every guy on the team and and um, and uh, you know I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to've been a part of that
1: well, and, you know, you've been a part of, you know, what has just been a terrific goaltending contingent at B.C. The last few yes. years, it was John Muse, who was just uh, one of the best players in the country, yep. and then uh, Parker Milner, who was named the outstanding player of the Frozen Four, mm-hmm. and you've been a part of all of that. Uh, what's it been like to be a, a part of that goaltending staff? Oh, it's
3: it's just been great. You know, John and, and Parker are uh, of my best friends and, and, uh, just going to practice every day, we pushed each other and, um, you know, it's, it's always, there's always competition and which is healthy. And but at the end of the day, you know, we were friends and whenever someone needed to be picked up, we'd help each other out and, um, we'd bounce ideas off each other as far as how to get better, uh, what types of drills to do. And, um, but, um, more importantly, I, I think, uh, you know i i always say that i've never had a bad goalie partner and and um it's definitely true here i I've, I've i've been blessed to have uh you know we had alex Kramer, who was here uh my freshman year and um and then we have two freshmen this year and uh brad Barone and Brian billet and they're all just really great kids and and um you know with, with john and parker it's the same way they were just uh great to me and and um And guys, that'll be a part of my life
1: uh, forever. Well, that's terrific, and uh, you guys share some very unique memories. Needless to say, with your uh, when you're part of a national championship team, let alone two. And uh, Chris, we touched on the future of some of your teammates headed for the NHL. Uh, What do you what do you see for your future potentially in hockey going forward?
3: Well, uh, right now, I'm still working out everything. Talking with my agent and and uh there's uh i i do have my my dual citizenship um in italy so uh we're exploring some things overseas which uh would be nice and there's a few opportunities there to get my grad school in while playing uh, professional hockey and i just think it would be a great experience to travel and, and uh, kind of see the world because i haven't been able to as much as i I'd, I'd like and uh and then go from there, you know, just kind of use it as a building block and see where it takes me. And uh, But uh, I'm just looking to have a great experience and, and uh, keep this run going. You know, I have put in too much. To, I don't want to be sitting at a desk um, in two years thinking, hey, I should have just done it, you know. So, uh, so I should know within the next month or so uh, where I'll be and um, what I'll be doing. So I'm pretty excited for the next step.
1: Well, that's wonderful. I wish you the best of luck there. I, Knowing you as I have for the last number of years, I've always uh, thought your story was somewhat similar to that of Matt Castle, who, of course, was uh, the backup quarterback for USC when they were winning national championships. So We all know the story. He comes to the Patriots, understudy to Tom Brady, gets his shot finally, and... Uh, Leads the team to an 11-5 and record, and next thing you know, he's signed for big, big money by the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs, yep. where he's now embedded as their quarterback, and I've always thought your story uh, may have a similar outcome.
3: Well, we'll see, hopefully.
1: Well, I wish you the best of luck on that, and Chris, uh, you know, the good times still keep on rolling because I believe the Boston College hockey team is throwing out the uh, – first ball uh, when the B.C. baseball team opens their season against the top team in the land, Florida State. Yeah. I believe that's tomorrow afternoon.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've, I actually was uh, throwing a ball today just to get ready for it. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're not doing a lot of throwing from the goalie position, right? <laughs> no,
3: no, no, no. So it's been a while, but I think I got the rust out and, and we'll be ready to go tomorrow. All right,
1: well, just don't bounce it in front of the plate. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure you won't. Uh, and then also, uh, I believe it's next week, maybe Wednesday, when uh, you're going to be honored at Fenway Park by the Boston Red Sox. Is that correct?
3: Yes, yes, yeah. That'll be uh, definitely great. i uh, looking forward to that. And hopefully some of the guys will be back who are uh, already with their pro teams so they can uh, share the experience. And, and uh, we're all really looking forward to it. Well,
1: that's wonderful. Well, let me just say on a personal note, I've been extremely impressed as I've watched uh, your teammates being interviewed, basically the whole team, and of course, Jerry York, and how, frankly, polite and team-oriented the entire Boston College hockey team is, uh, and basically listening to you here today, I can tell you're you're part of it, too. Uh, Jerry York is trained you all well and i can't think of a more deserving team than you guys to win the national championship so congratulations Thank
3: thank you very much
1: thank you for coming on chris and uh and now it's time for our break yet again and uh joining us on the other side will be barry rubenstein from the new york post
6: internet
7: flagship station for sports voice
2: america sports
7: ready for in your face sports want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go you're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports channel. We tell it like it is.
0: The
5: job of a professional athlete is never complete.
1: three four six nine one four four. And on the line now with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubinstein of the New York Post. And Barry, how you doing today?
6: Excellent, John. And uh thank you as always for uh for having me. Well
1: thank you for joining us. Uh the first two segments of the show were largely devoted to hockey, both ruins practice that I attended on Wednesday where they announced Nathan Horton out for the playoffs and then we had Chris Venti, uh, one of the goaltenders on the Boston College National Championship hockey team, and uh, so let's stick with that hockey theme and talk a little uh, Stanley Cup playoff action. Uh, the New York Rangers looked very strong last night in, uh, in winning their first, uh, first playoff game this year. It bodes well.
6: Yeah, um, you know, I I was uh, actually flipping back and forth between the um, between the Bruins game and the Rangers game and two uh, two really good victories for the two teams with the with the home ice advantage and uh, you know, I I think the uh Bruins acquitted well of themselves. Uh, you know, you got to go sometimes sometimes you have to go overtime and you know, they 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 did they did what they had to do and I thought the Rangers did the same thing. So, uh, you know, two two good wins for the two uh two top seeded teams. Um, you know, I think it's you know usually in the playoffs it's going to be defense and goaltending that get you to where you want to go, and uh, both those teams certainly had that going for them. So we'll we'll see how it plays out, but uh, certainly uh, a good start for both the the Bruins and the Rangers last night.
1: Yes, well, as I referenced in the first segment, I was at the uh, Bruins practice on Wednesday where they announced that Nathan Horton would be out for the playoffs, and. Uh, You know, quite a blow, but, uh, you know, it really didn't show last night. Uh, And, you know, they come out with a very hard-fought victory. I think the Rangers' victory was a little easier. But as we both know from watching the Penguins and the Canucks, winning game one as the higher seed at home is no guarantee. Uh, I watched that Pittsburgh-Philly game, and frankly, it was shocking uh, to see the Penns Pens give up a three-goal lead, and we now know that the NHL has come out and admitted that uh, Danny Briere was offsides for the Flyers on the first goal, which obviously ignited the comeback. So uh, here we are. I consider it the greatest theater in American sports, which is the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they're off to quite a start with that Penguins-Philadelphia comeback game being the first game of the overall league playoffs. and barry yeah it was just uh you know the the penguins playing in the console the new console energy building uh Sidney crosby also uh you know coming back from concussion to play in that game and he scored the first goal and uh so it was just really a, a fascinating game to uh to watch and i just couldn't believe what i was seeing when the uh you know, when the Flyers came back. And the comeback again was ignited by Danny Briere. Uh you know, clearly a, a controversial call when uh you know, when when he was clearly a few feet off sides as he went in for that uh what would be the first goal to to narrow the margin from three nothing to three to one and uh Again, you know, the Flyers, who are a good comeback team, they were, you know, fairly lifeless. I mean, I was watching the game thinking, you know, this is it. The Penguins got this, and they look like the Stanley Cup favorites that they are. And uh, lo and behold, Briere gets the goal, and uh, and the Flyers are off and running, and then they get a quick goal in overtime to win it, and... uh the fans in Pittsburgh were stunned, and this could change the whole face of the playoffs. We'll see.
6: Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know it's, you know like you said before, and like we all know the uh, the uh, you know, having home ice in that per- very first game, it, it actually puts more pressure on the on the higher seed team. I mean, you think you know, especially when you have a eight versus one or two versus seven uh, that type of situation. You know, there's the teams. Team, erno home for a reason. They're the better team in the regular season, but uh, at the same time, it also puts a lot of pressure on the home team to get that early jump. And you know, uh, once you get to the once you get to the playoffs, it's just basically, you know, it, it, it's whoever works hardest, it's whoever gets the best goaltending, whoever gets the, whoever gets the best defensive play. You know, a puck bounces this way or that way it could change the whole complexion of a game. I mean, and you look at what happened in Game One of the Flyers Penguins. I mean. That's certainly going to be a war. I mean, uh, you know, certainly the, the, the Penguins fans and the Penguins themselves certainly pro, certainly expect to win that first game, but you know, you never know. And you know, the, the Canucks the same thing. So, uh, and the Blues the same thing. So, uh, you know, now you find yourself in a little bit of a pressure, pressure pack situation for game two. And, you know, uh, they usually game two, in that situation, if you're a home team, you lose game one. Into usually works out uh, for your favor. Number one, because of the law of averages. Number two, because if you're the road team in a situation, it's like okay, you know, you came in wanting to split, and and, and subconsciously you you got something you need to get done. So if, if you go back home tied one-one, you're actually in pretty good shape. Um, you know, if you go out, you home up two nothing, that's a whole other story. And then that that then that really. Uh, the wheels in motion for a major upset, but I think subconsciously, I, I think you see a lot of teams that are lower-seeded, if they, if they can steal that first game uh, in a playoff series on the road, um, you know, it's it kind of like you, you're kind of in the subconscious mindset. that, you know, of course you're always trying to win, but you're in the subconscious mind of you know what? You did what we want to do, and if you go home, tie one one no big deal. Things will take, we'll take care of itself, and things usually do at that point, um, you know, but again, the 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 top seeds are top seeds for a reason, because they're usually better teams. So uh, that's why they play seven games at the seven instead of one. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that all works out.
1: Well, of course, the other shocker was the Canucks being beat, uh, fairly soundly by the LA Kings. And, uh, needless to say, we in Boston and I'm sure down in New York as well, are watching the Canucks with great interest from 3000 miles away. And, uh, you know, the, (laughs) The Canucks always seem to do things the hard way. Obviously, they've had their troubles finally getting over the hump against the Chicago Blackhawks, which they finally did last year. But here they are, first game of the playoffs, and you know, with uh, controversial goaltender to Roberto Luongo, uh, always interesting to watch. Uh, and here they are, down one nothing already. Uh, so I'm sure the people in Vancouver are uh, feeling a little nervous about now.
6: Well, you know, as long as they don't start, uh, you know, setting fires and tearing the city down again, uh, I guess that's going to be all right. But, <laughs>
1: Good um, point. When last seen, right?
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't surprise you if it went that way again. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I actually know some people that that, that kind of picked the, the Kings to be their dark horse in the in the, uh, in the Western Conference. So um, there, there are a few people, I think, that, you know, I think... For the most case, yes, it would, it's it would be a major upset. But there are, I do know a few people that, uh, you know, like the Kings. And, uh, you know, so we'll, uh, again, we'll see if they can, if they can maintain it. And, uh, you know, you do you, you, you see, it's, uh, the way hockey works is funny. You do see, uh, one versus eight, uh, upsets much more often in the NHL than you do in, say, the NBA. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, in hockey, you know, there's a lot of intensity. Uh, you know, the teams are, it's just a different animal than the NBA, um, but it's, uh, to me, me, uh, the NHL playoffs are are, are the best postseason, uh, in all sports. It's the most intense, it's the most intriguing, the the storylines are always great, and you always have the the specter over your head of sudden death overtime, which to me is is, is the most exciting, uh, overtime in, in, in all sports. You know, I I think that the, you know NFL overtime is is kind of predicated on a lot of times who wins that coin toss. Uh, you know, basketball is only five minutes. Uh, you know, baseball, of course, you have your extra innings that can go on all night too. But you know, there's there's that just that that that, that energy, that intensity of hockey overtime where you know every shift coming up and down could be it could be the, the 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 end of the game. So. It just had that really, you just don't have another sports. To me, there's nothing like playoff hockey, in my
1: opinion. Well, you're certainly uh, preaching to the choir because I have seen the light, and I am totally in agreement with you that uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are literally the best two-month passion play in American sports. It's just nothing like it, and when you do get those games that go into overtime, In a Stanley Cup playoff series, there's simply just nothing like it. And uh, we were already, you know, we've already seen a couple, you know, the Penguins Flyers, the Bruins Caps, and uh, just great stuff with lots more to come and uh, should be exciting and a great time of year. And, you know, I think it's going to be time for our break now. And, uh, you know, Barry's sticking around with me on the other side, and we're going to talk a little – Opening day.
7: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a network fantasy sports is where the action really is over 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game
0: Back to the show. Voice
1: America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, uh, Barry, there's opening day at Fenway Park, an opening day at Yankee Stadium, occurring as we speak. And, interestingly, uh, players from each of the opposing teams, a member of the Tampa Bay Rays Bashed Fenway Park, said it's not that great a place, and in fact, he doesn't even like playing there. And then Albert Pujols basically said, uh, playing in Yankee Stadium is nothing special either. What are your thoughts about that?
6: Well, oh, it's, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, in, in the case of, of taking Fenway first, I mean, you know, you talk about one of the, you know, one of the, you know, one of those great sports landmarks, uh, uh, in our country, and uh, you know, maybe it's just a dig at the Red Sox. Maybe it's just a dig at the, at the whole, you know, Fenway mystique. Uh, you know, for someone from the Rays to, you know, come and say, "Well, it's not that great playing here." Yeah, you know, there's probably a lot of a lot of uh, negative things can be said about uh, where the Rays play as well it's at Tropicana Field. Uh, that plays yes. a terrific reputation. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe it, it might just be some gamesmanship. I think I think it might be that more than. You, just not, not wanting to come into play. I mean, it is a it is a, a difficult environment for the home team. Obviously, it's a, you know I think it's a huge uh, home field advantage uh, for the Red Sox. Um, in the case of Yankee Stadium, um, you know, in the defense of Albert Pujols, this is, the only thing I can say about that is the one thing about Yankee Stadium is that this is not the Yankee Stadium. This is a new building. So you know, when you when you when you think of Yankee Stadium. You think of the old building with the, with the, with the, with the real facade and, you know, Babe Ruth and Luke Gehrig and Mandel and DiMaggio. And this is not, not the same place. This is across the street. The old stadium's gone. It was torn down to build a parking lot for this new, uh, this new Yankee shrine, which, you know, which a, a lot of people uh, have, have criticized. This is not being, not a great place to watch a baseball game. It's pretty much a, 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 uh, a shopping mall. Uh, with, uh, you know, with, with, with some Yankee shrines and a baseball field somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of the new stadiums now. It's all about, it's not about a place to, to gather and watch a baseball game and cheer for your team. It's all about, uh, the experience of watching a major league game or the experience of watching a Yankee game. So it's a little different and, um... You know, one of the things that that strike you about the new Yankee Stadium is that the old stadium, the seats were a lot closer to the field, especially in the upper deck. The upper deck was very steep, and it's it's amazing to me that that not more people, more people haven't fallen down and 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 uh, really gotten hurt in those stands because they were really steep at the old stadium. The new stadium, you're further back from the field, uh, and the sound doesn't carry as much, so it's not as, as it doesn't get nearly as loud as the old stadium did. It's just a completely different environment. You know, you have a, a lot more corporate people there. You know, the regular fans don't get set as close. Um, of course, you know, it goes without saying how expensive the new seats are. So, you know, you know, maybe the new stadium isn't as, isn't as big a deal for some players to come to, even though it's called Yankee Stadium. It isn't really Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, but Fenway Park certainly is, is, is the real Fenway Park. And, uh, you know, kind of interesting to hear those comments. But, you know, uh, again, I think from from the from the uh, Tampa Tampa Rays point of view, might be a little bit of gamesmanship there, and uh, you know I think you can kind of take it in in that vein.
1: Well, needless to say, uh, and excellent observations on both iconic ballparks. Uh, needless to say, you know the the Sox and the Yankees have had uh, are off to pretty rough starts this year, and. Uh, Neither fan base has much patience, needless to say, and the Red Sox are, uh, you know, continuing on with from their collapse of last year and having the same awful start like they had last year. Uh, but, you know, maybe what they need is a little home cooking, which they're about to get with the first pitch in about 15 minutes from now. And uh, Bobby Valentine, new manager, uh, with obviously quite the New York history, to put it mildly, and... So what are your thoughts? There's an outcry up here about Bobby Valentine signed on to do a weekly radio show uh, with Michael Kay on ESPN Radio down in New York City. What are your thoughts about that?
6: Um, You know, I think Bobby obviously has a lot of ESPN ties. He he was a commentator with ESPN uh, before he got the job at the Red Sox. Um, I think uh, probably you know, being ended up in Boston now probably a little inappropriate, my feeling on it. Uh, You know, I'm a little surprised. I mean, not that shocked only because of CSPN, but shocked because... A little bit, I shocked is the wrong word. A little bit surprised. A little bit taken aback because you, know, you figure if you're in Boston, you know, you, you should probably be on Boston Station if you're doing that. So uh, a little bit misguided perhaps, but, you know, uh, as Red Sox fans are starting to find out about Bobby Vee, and as New York fans know all too well, he's going to do different things. He's going to be unorthodox. He's going to tweak people. He's good. He's not. He's not your run-of-the-mill guy, which is what makes him very interesting. He's a real. He's always been a character. You know, he's always done some off-the-wall things, and you know, we'll 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 say strange things, we'll do strange things, and you know, the, the one thing I keep telling you, we we've talked about previously on this show, the one thing that Red Sox fans do not have to worry about is that Bobby Valentine will never be boring. There will always be something to talk about. Uh, always something going on. There's always going to be some sort of uh, agenda that he has for whatever he does. Um, and he certainly will not be born. So we're, we're starting to see that already, and, uh, and I can certainly expect to get more and more, uh, the relationship between, uh, Bobby Valentine and the Red Sox fans will continue to, uh, I don't even really know what the right word to say is, percolate? I don't really know. It all depends on, you know, again, if they start to go on a win streak, they write the ship and, you know, uh, a slow a start, as you mentioned. Um, if, if they start winning, then people are going to forget while, all about all this stuff. Nobody's going to care that he's on Radio New York if they're winning ball games. But, you know, whenever a team starts, that slowly, totally people are always looking for reasons why. And so, you know, the fans, uh, you know, the cynical fans can point well, you know, he's doing that show in New York and he's doing this, he's saying that, he's doing this. You know, what's he doing? But, you know, as, as, as we, as we all know, winning, winning cures a lot of bills. And, uh, you know, I'm always reminded that, again, this is another, Thing that we've talked about previously, but I'm always reminded of, of Doc Rivers' the famous quote from uh, from Doc. After they, um, you know, they're ready to run him out of town on a rail, and then they went and trade for Kevin Garnett, and you know, we know we know what happened after that. And it was Doc who said, "You know what? When you when you, it all comes down to winning and losing. You know, when you lose, you're a moron, and when you win, you're a genius. So that, that, that's that's so just the way it goes, and that comes to the territory, and and that's just part of the job when you when you're a coach. So you expect that, and you you deal with it as best you can." And you just try to, you know, try to maintain an even feel and you just try to make sure that you're doing all you can, uh, to help your team to win. Because let's face it, I mean, you know, when it gets right down to it, of course Bobby Valentine is doing all he can, uh, you know, to make the Red Sox a, a, a winning team, a, a contending team for the World Series. Of course he is. But, you know, when you, when the team gets up to a good start, people like to look for reasons why. So you yeah, just have a lot of early season angst building up. Uh, in the heart of uh, of Red Sox Nation, but uh, trust me, they win a few games and go on a little bit of the streak, they'll forget all about all this stuff.
1: That's just the way it is. Exactly right, Barry, and we're down under two minutes now, but before we end the show, I'd like to just quickly take advantage of your segue referencing Doc Rivers and just get your take on on the Celtics as they currently stand and uh, quickly the NBA in general as we head uh, into the playoffs in a couple weeks.
6: You know, you have a lot, you got a lot you got a lot of teams fighting for uh you know, it's almost gonna be like music chairs. You know, you got the Knicks and the Bucks and the Sixers and the, the Celtics all kind of in the same boat, you know, kind of uh trying to stay above water. Um, you know, uh the Celtics certainly uh you know, have the upridge in the division race, that doesn't mean mean much, much uh once you get to the playoffs. Um, you know, I think it's still kind of kinda of pretty wide open. I mean I think uh, you know, the Heat are still generally acknowledged to be the best team in the East, although they, you know, they've, uh, you know, they, they, they've stumbled a bit of time. Um, Oklahoma City's looking pretty good out West. You know, the Lakers seem to have their problems. I think it's still pretty wide open as, as we go. And there's still, uh, you know, about 10 games left in the regular season just for most of these teams. So it should be a very exciting, uh, last couple weeks of this truncated NBA season. Uh, 66 games close like a lockout. You know, you've you got a lot of games. In a very short window of time, uh, you know, you got a lot of injury issues for different teams. You've Got a lot of different things going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think a lot of these a lot of these issues for a lot of these NBA teams going to go down to their their final games. That's how close it is. So, it should be a really, really, really fun to watch. I think.
1: Oh, I think so too. And I mean, right now the Miami Heat are down i referenced the fact that the stadium emptying out with a minute to go against the celtics on tuesday night uh in the game in my mind still in question this Celts were up seven and uh there was a mass exodus and uh the heat beat him last excuse me the bulls beat the heat last night in overtime so tough times in miami and uh you know this is a team to Needless to say, he's been under a microscope since the day LeBron took his talents there and never more so than right now. I mean, we're, we're about to find out what this team is made of once and for all because uh, they're under the gun.
6: Yeah, they really are. And, you know, it's you know, it, it, it's time for them to really, really uh, silence those critics and, and do it for themselves, too. I mean, you know, uh, LeBron James was the one who famously uh, put down his critics a year ago. And, uh, you know... Uh, you're right, it's it's put up for shut-up time for them. It pretty much is. So
7: we'll
6: get to see over the last couple weeks exactly how much they'll put up and how much they'll shut
1: up. Well said, Barry. And, uh, yep, well, it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, my pick of the weekend for TV viewing is, no surprise, a boatload of Stanley Cup playoff games that are sure to be uh, entertaining and... Uh, Hard to believe we've come to the end of another show. And as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports. Barry, thank you for coming on again, as always. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.